You are entering the theater of the mind, an arcane radio theater works podcast series featuring dramatizations of strange and fantastical tales. Series one, The Mysterious Card. Adapted by Jeff G. Rack and Charlie Mount from a story by Cleveland Moffat. Presented in six parts. Episode three. I can see confusion on your face, but you've not run from the room screaming. And you haven't called for the police to have me arrested and thrown in a pit. What is it then? What does it say? Doctor, what do you see? Nothing. What? There is nothing whatsoever on this card. It is completely blank. Blank? Well, that's not possible. Let me see. Oh, the writing. It's gone. No, wait, wait, there. You, you can see some traces of it uh, on both sides. See, see there? Faintest bit of purple ink. Do you see? Yes. Yes, I, I do see hints of purple. But whatever had been written there, in whatever hand, in whatever language, it's now gone. Faded away over the 11 years. Whatever arcane secret this card once held, it has been lost forever. Lost? Wait. I, I, I am sensing something from this card, which, which is strange. What do you mean? Uh, what are you sensing? An aura around the card. But auras are only generated by living things, sentient beings. But, but there it is, a strange glow, gray and black. Are you saying there's still something on the card? Something that we cannot see? I can't say what it is, but a very dark energy pervades it. It gives me a brackish feeling. Take the card back, please. Yes, yes I felt that too in a sense that something was preventing me from divining what others could see. Uh, some kind of witchcraft at work? I... Uh, there is an invisibility spell called the Fifth Faf, a Celtic charm, and the Grimoire Virum details several Egyptian incantations. I have books at home that... It doesn't matter. The, the, the woman is the key. Only she knows what was on that card and why she gave it to me. Uh, she has bewitched it, or... Or me, or, or the world. Then let us find out. You'll come with me, then? Of course. I'm invested in this as much as you now. Oh, thank you, Doctor. Uh, bring your medical case, and I'll bring the card. I'll have Mrs. Porter call a carriage. And so we were off, tearing through Lower Manhattan in a handsome cab paid generously to make the trip in less than 20 minutes. After several close calls around an ash cart, a shoestring peddler, and a policeman, we arrived at the handsome red brick home on Norfolk Street. This time I knocked on the door, presented my card, asked for Dr. Kleinschmidt, and presently he arrived and invited us into the foyer. Dr. Lansing, is it? And Mr. Burfell, again, sir, my pleasure. And mine. Dr. Lansing is the one I told you about. 
He is well versed in occult matters and is here to see her as you requested. Uh, gentlemen, I apologize for wasting your time, but you've come too late, I'm afraid. I fear Miss Chaudhari is not long for this world. Or even more of a reason we must see her. Chaudhari, is that her name? Yeah, Devon Chaudhari. I'm sorry, she must not be disturbed. Please, we must. These may be her final moments. And uh, you don't understand that I understand that you I'm... are very excited, yeah? The woman deserves peace and quiet. Tranquility, gentlemen, above all. Of course, Dr. Kleinschmidt. Can you tell me, though, why do you think there is some occult agency at work? It is my understanding, Dr. Lensing, that she has some Verständigung, some communication with, how would you say it? The ethereal world. Other planes of existence? Yeah, yeah, the ethereal world. To the point where she is sickened by it, you see. Uh, there's an empathetic reaction. Yeah, you're speaking of uh, clairsentience, taking on the ailments or feelings of the spirit. Uh, I have not heard of this word, but yeah, you verstehen, so good. I have no treatment for such an ailment. The only treatment is to break the psychic contact. And you are able to do this? Break the contact? I believe so. I would like to try. It could save her life. May we see her? Uh, I, 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 I promise not, not to excite her. Very well. I take you at your word, Mr. Burwell, and you will let the doctor here take the lead, yeah? Uh, of course. Then you may go up. Her room is the first door to the right. I must go now. I've sent for the family, and I must make arrangements. And with that, we went upstairs and entered her room. It was sedately arranged with flowers and wind chimes hung near an open window that looked out onto a garden. A sweet-smelling incense burned from a lotus-shaped bowl. And there, in the center, beneath the silk canopy of a four-poster bed, lay the woman herself. The woman at the center of the mystery, Devon Shadhari. Her eyes were tightly shut and her head shaking as if she were trying to wake herself from a fever dream. Well, that's her. Oh, she's beautiful still. Miss Chadhari, I'm Dr. Lansing. I'm just going to take your pulse, my dear. Is she unconscious? No, 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 but she's, she's struggling with something. Well, can I speak to her? I don't know, I don't know. Her aura is very weak. It's, it's sort of a sickly green. Her pupils are very wide. She sees us, but she's she sees something else as well. I don't even know if she speaks English. I, I must try. <coughs> Miss Chodhari, madam, do you recognize me? Do you remember seeing me at the Follies Bergere many years ago? Yes. Do you remember giving me this card? <coughs> the card. Yes. The card. What does it mean? What does the card say? She's having a spasm. Something has her in its grip. Why did you give it to me? Why? The card. I gave you the card. I... Her skin. It just went ice cold. For God's sakes, tell me. Tell me what it all means. I gave you the card because I wanted you to... to... Tell me. Tell me. She's absorbing something, some psychic energy, something. God. Yes? Yes? It's killing her. Tell me! I wanted you to. I was wrong. Forgive me. I gave you the card because I wanted. 
She's dead. No! Uh, no! With some effort, I escorted Burwell out of the house and into a cab, his hand clutching the mysterious card. With the pasteboard's ink faded and the Shadari woman dead, it seemed now that the malevolent mystery that marked his days would never be solved. As our cab pulled away, another arrived. I assumed it was her family come too late to bid their loved one farewell. But I happened to look back, and I saw a single passenger disembark the cab and enter the house, a tall man in a cream-colored tweed suit wearing horn-rimmed spectacles. I turned to mention this to Burwell, but he had crumpled into himself, defeated. I instructed the driver to take us to Francis Tavern on Pearl Street. How can a man be so cursed, doctor, that his love and friendship bring only misery to those who share it? How can it be that one who has it in his heart only good thoughts can be constantly under the shadow of evil? Her child, a tender, helpless little thing strangled in its cradle, finger marks on the neck where some cruel hand had closed until life went. Fortune stolen from my company's safe. Our advances set back almost beyond recovery. Mystery piled upon mystery. And this miserable card. Its author dead or secret taken to the grave. I, I have no other recourse but to admit defeat. Do not give up yet, Mr. Burwell. There may be one avenue of investigation yet open to us. Now don't plague me with hope. I believe I may have put a few things in place. I'm not sure exactly what they mean, but I am positive that they are not coincidences. What was it that Shakespeare said? Things without all remedy should be without regard. What's done is done. Did you not say a few days ago that you encountered a tall man with spectacles at Miss Chadhari's house? What? A man? Yes. And on the day you first came to see me, there was also a tall man with spectacles waiting in my anteroom. The same man? I never saw him, but my, my assistant's description matched yours. And in Paris... You're saying the man in your office and the man at Norfolk Street were the same man I saw in Paris 11 years ago? All tall men, all wearing spectacles. And just now, when we left Miss Chidari's house, pulling up in a carriage, the same man again. But why would I'm he... I'm thinking of your visions now and their deleterious effect upon your nerves. If you, like Miss Chidari, are capable of clairsentience, a, a psychic ability to absorb and, and sense the tremors and sensations of occult travelers, perhaps this man is the source. He was present during two of your episodes, two that we know about. Perhaps he was also... Uh, but doctor, I am done with this riddle. Uh, if I'm cursed, I'm... I'm cursed. Don't you see? Perhaps he was also the cause of Miss Chudhari's death and could quite possibly be the Water Street assassin. I can no longer follow this thread, Doctor. But what if your visions can lead us to this mutilator of women? What life I have left, I will not live it in search of more darkness. I shall double my efforts for the poor and seek solace charity for others. I, I understand that you have no more fight in you or a taste for the dark road this journey might take you on, but, but your vision... Dr. Lansing, you must supplant me. I leave the mystery of the card in your hands. Take it. Here, keep it with you. I am done. 
I am done. As he placed the card in my hand, I knew I was being tasked with a sort of grail quest, and I received it as might a knight errant accepting the charge with sobriety, humility, and a strong resolution of mind. The mysterious card was now in my possession, its secrets now mine to plumb. But where to begin? Burwell had collapsed into himself and would speak no more. I saw him home and went back to my office to work on the problem. Should I seek out the tall man with the glasses? Uh, should I find out more about Miss Shidari's past? Perhaps a more direct examination of the card. After all, I, I had only given it a cursory glance. I was about to inspect the card, the cursed object, when a deep weariness overtook me and I fell asleep at my desk. The next morning. Pardon me, Doctor. What? Yes, Frederick. What time is it? It's morning. Is it? It is, Doctor. You must have been working all night. What? Yes, yes, working. I'm sorry to disturb you, but you see, there's a policeman here to see you. Policeman? Yes, sir. There's been another murder. And they want me to look at the body? No, sir. No. No, they wish you to accompany them to Mr. Burwell's house. Burwell? What has he to do with this? Apparently he's been shot, sir. Shot? Yes, and there's more, sir. He's also been arrested and accused. Arrested? On what charge? Sir, Mr. Burwell has been arrested on the charge of murder. Next, on the mysterious card. As we drew near, we saw a man spring away from something crumpled on the sidewalk. He plunged into the shadows of the night. On the ground was a woman, dead. You have been listening to The Theater of the Mind, Series 1, The Mysterious Card, adapted by Jeff G. Rack and Charlie Mount, from a story by Cleveland Moffat. Presented in six parts. Directed by Jeff G. Rack. Technical director, Charlie Mount. Music composed and performed by Jay Wolfel. Presenting our voice talent players for episode three. Charlie Mount as Dr. Edward Lansing. Richard Large as Richard Burwell. Dustin Hess as Dr. Kleinschmidt. Abby Rollins as Devon Shadhari. Michael Pearl as Alec Rousseau and Frederick. And I'm your host, Jeff Rack. This has been an Arcane Theatre Works production. If you've enjoyed this program and would like us to do more, please go to our Patreon page to become a patron and valued member of Arcane Theatre Works. Your proceeds will allow us to pay our talented actors, artists, and technicians so that we can continue to bring you high-quality programming like the show you've just enjoyed. You can also go to our site, arcanetheaterworks.com, and sign up to be informed of our upcoming live and virtual shows and events. A special thanks to Alan Zorthian and the Zorthian Ranch. <laughs>